0: Welcome to Shop Talk Live, episode 183. This week, our illustrious leader, Tom McKenna, joins Mike and I, and we discuss paste wax recipes, jigs on a sliding table saw, cement shop floors, and we calm one reader's concerns about scratches on his blade after he's done honing. But first, as always, or... Recently, as always, I want to tell you a little bit about what's going on here in the fine woodworking world. About a week after this episode airs, issue number 274 should be in your mailboxes. We've got a really cool project made by Willie Sundry out uh, on the West Coast. It's an arts and crafts bookcase, Limbert design, a classic piece, and a lot of fun techniques. We have the modern master of shaker furniture, Christian Bexford. Doing something very, very not shaker. He's doing a swing arm lamp. It's a very modern piece, but a very cool, simple design. Chris has made a lot of them, so of course he has his methods nailed down and it's a fun, fast build. One thing that I'm personally very excited about is Mike Farrington. The great Mike Farrington of YouTube fame hits the pages of fine woodworking for the first time doing a hexagonal Kumiko design utilizing the table saw for the grid. And also the last thing that I want to mention, we have Audie Culver and Ivy Ciosi of Ciosi Design in Indiana doing a really modern take on slab inlays that might just change the way you think about bow ties. But enough promoing the new issue. If you're a subscriber, it should be in your mailboxes next week. If you're an unlimited member, that magazine subscription is part of your membership. So you'll be experiencing the joy of issue 274 a Fine Woodworking Magazine as well. All right. On with the show. So, um, Tom, we are recording, just so you know. You haven't been here for a non-intro intro. -intro.
1: I was waiting for the big intro. It's still really awkward. You just well, gotta, it's always going to be awkward. <laughs> There's no transition. It's, it's, it's really hard to take three people
0: from our office. That's going to be awkward.
1: Well, I'm used to coming out. You know, with the audience and applauding, and you know, we get we get the. You, I forgot got, there
0: used to be applause at the beginning. <laughs> I think that was the first thing I changed. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Start playing the theme from the Muppet Show or something, you know. What? <laughs> no, that's something else. What happened
2: to all those people? Anyway, the applause people we used to bring in.
1: <laughs> they're
0: in the old shop. <laughs> <laughs>
1: they're, in, they're, in the, they're in the container. They're in the dumpster. <laughs> oh,
2: before st- we get going, I want to give a big on-air thank you very much to Ben Strano, who finally <laughs> came finally. through. And made me a spoon. Yes. And not only is this spoon a good, working, useful spoon, um, it's awesome. I will post pictures of it on my uh, next Instagram. Maybe the next few. Oh, Instagrams. I don't know if
0: I can handle that influx. I'm going
2: to show a video of the spoon in use. Anyway,
0: thanks very much. You're welcome. Really, You're, really th- cool. I'm sorry it took so long, but you you do realize that when Mike Peckovich asks for something, you <laughs> you want to deliver what Mike Peckovich would deliver. Huh. And I think that was the eighth spoon i made for you, you brought
2: one spoon and i loved it it was like oh this is fine and you took it from me and you broke it right in front of me
0: <laughs> i wanted to i wanted to make it clear that this was not the spoon <laughs> this is not the final spoon yeah thanks for mine by the way. I, there, there's more to go. No. now now that i have <laughs> crested this 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 peak i can continue on with my life
2: yeah barry's rice paddle was just
1: no I know oh, I know, just eating but me up.
0: It was like that was an easy that was that was like okay, I I can I can do this quick. And then it was like right back to like bended blanks all night like like going through iteration after iteration. <laughs> nothing <laughs> for is ever, your spoon.
1: Nothing is ever quick, man.
0: No. But um yeah. Yeah, cuz that that one you're like, "Oh, can I use this until?" And it was like, "Nope." Yeah, no. Uh-uh. <laughs> So uh, right. I still have the broken
1: one. Did they have a food-safe finish?
0: There is no finish on the spoon. Really? So it is food-safe. Well, How would you polish that? Burnished. What? So actually... The um, dog licked it for like yeah. two hours.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, um... I There's a video that I'll link to, making note. Um, Emmett? <laughs> burnishing video. Sorry. Normally I'm making notes while you guys are talking. Um... Uh, there's a video that we have of Emmett Driesch burnishing spoons and he uses a piece of deer antler
2: That's that he's a carved bone away. or something yeah.
0: And um, also a he uses the end of a pestle from a and pestle set. Oh, that is like non-glazed.
1: If you're looking for deer antlers, I know I'm and I'm being totally serious. Really? Um my pet store, you know, um, it's called Pets Club, All Pets Club. They sell deer antlers for dogs to chew on.
0: That wouldn't hmm. that get stinky? Well, dogs I guess, are stinky and in yeah, general.
1: Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> if you've but, got a dog that's eating deer antlers, you probably have a stinky dog. Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> Don't try to sand any sort of <laughs> antler on a that's belt right. sander. <laughs> oh oh really? God, is that's a smelliest smell? How do you
0: know? <laughs> Does it smell like like is, hair?
1: you sanded deer <clears throat> antlers?
2: wasn't deer antler, it was some sort of... <laughs> people turn them. It was, like yeah. a, it was like a sheep's horn. Wow. I was turning it into like, literally like a horn. that you I actually blow.
1: never heard of that. So... Why were you... What? <laughs> Mike is hoping we
0: Back move Back to on. the early years. <laughs> <laughs> you sure it was a horn that you blow? Was it a musical instrument? Or a yeah. drinking thing? Or? All right. Well, m- speaking of drinking... <laughs> 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 um, You've recently been making. Why am I Well, you of you made a coffee table for your
1: son's dorm room, so of yeah. course drinking. Will come. No, no, drinking he's coffee. only he's only <laughs> he's only eighteen. Uh-huh. It's, it's it's hot Cheetos and Kool Aid. Uh-huh. Okay, or maybe hot Cheetos and water. All right, they're engineering kids. They're they're not drinking, are they? <laughs> <laughs> that Jeff had a really big laugh I started
0: an engineering school so. <laughs> and never finished.
1: <laughs> I did have to keep telling um my son Ryan to not be gentle with the table let it let it rip
0: i love because I love the fact that you you would i would i don't think I would make a college kid anything because they're just going to destroy it, but you're no. like no no
1: they're not it already has LED lights underneath it. <laughs> That are synced to, to the to the music in the room. Okay, these engineering students the are movies, actually studying. You know, it's all, it's all Alexa. It's all, you know, it's craziness. Alexa, turn the coffee table on. Yeah. I mean, some of the kids, they had in his dorm. No, in one of the dorms, they used to have swiping um, key locks um, for their doors. And they had to change it because the engineering kids figured out how to, you know hack the codes and so they can get into any room and they had to do the same thing for the um, the washing machines and dryers in the in the basement of the dorm. Huh. They had to make it it's basically free now because all the kids were figuring out how to get wow. around it. It was pretty funny. But this the
2: European history
0: majors, they're good. Yeah,
1: right <laughs> they're still paying for their laundry <laughs> I
0: was a music major so we didn't do laundry. So. <laughs> anyway, all right. that was a long and about I just I, I was amused by that. All right, so let's uh, let's answer some questions. First I one, just did. <laughs> <laughs> but there's more. Oh, there's so many more. This first one is from. Uh, speaking of oh, so many more. We need to do a lightning round soon. Uh, from Fabian, uh, all right. I have a sliding table saw and struggle to convert all the jigs mentioned in the magazine to fit my saw. How would you attach, for example, a Kumiko grid? jig used by as used by Mike in the article Spice Up Your Work with Kumiko Do I fasten it with bolts to the crosscut fence or just let it ride in the one miter slot in the sliding table In either case it is secured to just the left side of the blade It's a good question So he I, has a he, he mentioned that he has a what brand? A, a hammer or H- hammer Hama. Hama Hama No I can't say it <laughs> <laughs> uh- I'm done for the day. Thank you. All right. Well, a Hammer K3. Okay. Winner. Well, which that was a little
1: weird of them to name it Winner. That's better than chicken dinner. <laughs> um True. I, the uh, I don't I, I don't I've never really used a sliding table saw for like I've tried them, you know, but I I actually have not been to too many shops where the author has one but tom mclaughlin had one for rough cut and he he had no qualms about making a new sled for it and and i don't remember i I was trying to find photos from when i was up there of the crosscut sled that he made for his sliding table saw And and he did it because he was he uses a tenoning jig on the on the crosscut sled and so he was he had to modified he didn't want to did it clamp
2: to that like the crosscut rail no. or did it just ride in the Wow, well, minor I, I slots? i
1: think i think he had two different ways and I, and i'm mm. sorry i can't I, mm. I was trying to find the other jig i saw the one crosscut sled that he had a tenoning jig attached to that slid in i thought he i thought it was sliding in two slots but i you know maybe mm. it was only one but that, i think it did attach to the crosscut fence cuz i remember did it?
0: seeing it and and thinking
1: I'll try to find uh, a better. I, I'll have to look at photos more. I didn't, you know, on those photo shoots. I wasn't like diving into like technique too much. I was just yeah, trying to get, you're... you know, big kind of photos for the website. And well,
0: I know that. I think there's two there's two questions here. Like, how would you attach it? But then also, it the the hammer does have a miter slot in the sliding fence portion. But is there a problem only having one guide on a on a crosscut fence?
2: Um, you can just maybe get a little more, more flexed, a little more slop to it. I know Matt Kenny always – he was a fan of the single mm-hmm. runner crosscut sled for miters and that kind of stuff. Um, I think you can get by with it. I think if you've got a sliding table and you've got a really nice um, little um, crosscut fence, what do you call that? <laughs> it's not a miter gauge on a on a siding table. Whatever it is, yeah, that fence, part. The part mire, yeah, a yeah, crosscut yeah, fence. Well, it's not a yeah, red well, fence, they, so yeah, crosscut they, fence. Yeah. God,
0: man, we're I really know. authorities
1: on this <clears> subject throat> here, aren't we? because we don't own them.
2: I mean, <laughs> what I do, I just have a piece of MDF with mm. that little kind of finger thing registration pin glued into it and I just clamp it to my crosscut sled so and you could tap it a little left and right to change the spacing on the grid if you're trying to fit a specific opening in a piece of furniture you're making. So I might try just that, clamping a piece of MDF with your little indexing pin to mm-hmm. whatever crosscut fence you already have and see if that works. I don't yeah. know well, why.
0: Well especially work. for Kumiko, because you're you're changing that grid based yeah. on the size of the blah you know, the the piece you're you're making, right? So now, like a crosscut sled, you're wanting zero clearance, and um, so you do want that to be registered. You do want that to be locked into a position every single time. That's, yeah, that's consistent.
2: <clears throat> yeah, I mean the benefit of a crosscut sled is that it has a base that moves along the table and yeah. it carries the piece across. So you're right. I might. And then, okay, so now I'm attaching sort of an L fence to my crosscut fence. So there's a base and a back, in which case I still need an adjustable fence, some auxiliary fence with the indexing pin that I can move side to side yeah. based on that. So now it starts to get complicated.
0: So yeah. the the I think um, I looked up I – mean, I should have given Jeff a photo of this. But um, the hammer at least has – what looks like a T track in the front of the crosscut fence.
2: <laughs> okay.
0: So what if um, you you could attach whatever you want with T nuts, or they've got those little inserts, those little sure, yeah. There's a track on. Yeah, and 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 you can buy little inserts that that slide in there that are threaded,
2: little well, recess hex head or something yeah. on the face to lock it down. Or and something. I've
0: also seen ones like that that you can put them in there, thread a screw in, and it it'll stay in one position. Okay. So that could be your registration point. Yeah. yeah. And then you make a crosscut sled or fence or whatever that, that butts up against that. Okay. For consistency sake.
1: Yeah.
2: I don't think it really matters because I think f- the main reason Fabian asked this question is just to sort of draw attention to the fact he has a sliding table saw.
1: And, <laughs> and no one else does. No. So, <laughs>
2: <laughs> Fabian, you know, you'll figure it out. You probably already
0: have, have figured it out. Jaguar – And in the wintertime, the doorknob, the door handle sticks a little bit. And, I don't
1: know. He's probably thinking, you know, for for the little cuts that he's going to make, you know, pushing that whole table is like overkill. There's
2: there's a lot of back and forth. So there's like a lot of mass to that. I know we did the article on pros and cons of sliding tables. And one of them is if you're doing like a lot of pieces, a lot of cuts, just, you know, the mass of the table, pushing it through the cut, pulling it back and forth. um, That was one of the drawbacks of it. Um, Just maybe get a second table saw
0: for Kumiko. There are people who, like like Laughlin has two.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, why not? Get a a job site saw even. Michael Cullen has two. A lot of
2: pros will have a second table saw with a dado blade set up in it all the time. How cool is that? Three. Pretty
1: much. (laughs) And a radial arm saw just for kicks. No. Come on, Ben. No. Come on, Ben. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. (laughs) Uh-uh.
0: All right. Let's see. Question number two is from Chris. This one's for you, Mike. Right on. I hope you came prepared.
2: I did. Good. Hope
1: he has a solution.
0: (laughs) You can't help yourself. I'm on the lookout for a new paste wax solution. solution. Okay. I'm totally over the petroleum smell of commercial options and would love something simple with just a little bit of luster to apply to my projects. Has Mike ever shared his recipe to attempt to recreate the no longer available Goddard's cabinet makers wax? I never used the product in its original form, but I'm sold on the description of it. Something natural, simple, and lemon-scented sounds like a perfect solution to Sounds me. like a margarita.
2: Yeah, it does. So,
0: margarita um, episode.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think there, there's two different components uh, to making your own wax, which is really, really simple to do. There's a lot of different recipes online. If you just Google Paste Wax Recipe, um, the basic recipe I use, and I can't tell you the exact um, proportions so of everything— um, it, it's just it's a blend of three waxes, a paraffin, beeswax, and carnauba wax. They each have kind of their own characteristics. Uh, paraffin, uh, I think on its own, can be a little bit greasy. Beeswax can be a little bit sticky. Mm-hmm. And carnauba wax is just really, really hard. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to kind of buff out to a good sheen. Um, blending all three together and you get sort of a nice combination. And then you need basically some sort of solvent. Mix it in while everything is warm in order to keep it um, kind of not hard at room temperature, pasty. So um, usually that's some sort of um, oil-based solvent, um, mineral spirits, turpentine. <clears throat> um, some waxes like um, Bry wax is really, really smelly. It's more of a, like a toluene solvent, so mm-hmm. it flashes off really quick. The wax dries really hard. Um, I use that because they have, like, really, really dark waxes available, which is cool. Um, so that's a basic recipe. And for me, what I was looking for to replace a Goddard's wax, which is sort of a lemon-scented wax, what I liked about it is there's certain times when I like to have a can of wax just open on my bench top. If I'm screwing back panels or something like that and you want to wax each screw, you got a can of wax on your bench and it's just kind of mm-hmm. there. And, like, a really, really smelly wax will just give me a headache so what I liked about the Goddard's wax was that it didn't. It just smelled nice. And it was mm-hmm. like a lemon scent, so it was nice for drawer sides and interior spaces and something like that. So, <clears throat> so it's easy, really easy to make a wax. I found that to be the case. Um, what was a little bit more challenging was to make a wax that wasn't really smelly. And a turpentine uh, is horrendously smelly. You
0: I made you smell
2: something. Yeah, that uh, was...
0: <laughs> <laughs> that was rough, man.
2: So that was kind of a non-starter. Wax worked, worked really well, though. So then I went with a um, odorless mineral spirits, which – and then I added like a um, like lemon essential oil to it. And it was like, eh, it was still kind of smelly in not a good way. Mm. And the solution I happened upon, which really solved the problem for me, was using a citrus thinner available in, in art stores um, – which smells like oranges. So oh, yeah. the thinner itself had a good smell to it. I added lemon essential oil to that and that kind of solved it for me. So that gives me a wax which smells it really, smells, really good. Smelled really I know tasty, I made, actually. I made Ben smell that one too. Yeah. <laughs> it <was, laughs>
0: it, <laughs> yeah. it, it kinda of smelled like um like a a, a lemon pastry or something yeah, like that, and yeah. all of a sudden I was hungry. Nice. Yeah,
2: it's like, that's enough, now. Yeah. <laughs> Give me the wax back. Put Give it
1: down. back. <laughs> Don't grab a spoon. Just...
2: Um, so, in terms of specific proportion, and then there's lots of other different types of things you yeah. can add to it. Don Williams, who's like a leading authority on like traditional finishes and finishing, he has a little blog website called donsbarn.com, and he actually recently, I have I couldn't find the recipe that I went off of. I thought he had come up with it, but I went on his site, and he basically had a list of nine different recipes that he had sort of gone through to sort of dial in exactly what he wanted. And there were some odd um, ingredients in there as well, like he used shellac
0: wax. I have newt.
2: I have newt, newt. um, rotten stone, um, acrylic beads, which I have no idea what those are. So basically, um, he was – and check out that website because it kind of gives like a lot of different ways you can go. You know, anything from just uh, beeswax and turpentine to beeswax and linseed oil mm-hmm. um, is cool. To uh, lots of other different things. But for me, the key to something that smelled decent was using the citrus thinner instead of the uh, mineral spirits or turpentine.
1: Is that the same stuff that is um, non toxic, like paint remover? Is that the same? The pinky stuff that you buy? No. Oh, orange. It's orange colored at, at Home Depot or Lowe's.
2: That's sort of citrus stripper. Yeah, yes. yeah different stuff. It is. Okay. Yeah, this is basically, okay. it's like a, I guess it's a citrus-based paint thinner.
0: Okay. I'll okay. say this. I I recently got some spray citrus stripper because my son is into refinishing and totally ruining Hot Wheels, but um, uh, that St- that Citrus Stripper, I will never use anything but that now. Oh, really? It's phenomenal. Okay. So Citrus is the way to go, apparently. Yes.
2: Usually stuff that is not bad for you doesn't work
0: very well. I don't think I'm going to spray this all over my, my face or something like that, but...
1: I, I, if you do, just, you know, record it. <laughs> 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 well, I'm, I'm somewhat offended by, my, by Chris's comment about the chemical smell, the petroleum smell why is that you like (laughs) it funny i well i i used to use um johnson's um paste wax and i still have a can of it but i like the smell Uh, there's a reason though it's kind of a stupid reason but when i when i was growing up we had hardwood floors in my house and once a year that smell my mom would buff like my dad would rent uh you know a floor buffer and she and he would Polish the floor and the whole house smelled like that so
2: that real piney smell yeah, it smelled yeah, good yeah. yeah yeah
1: i liked it but you know it does i think i the older i get the more sensitive i am to that yeah. smell and right. so i'm with mike when i when i'm when i was using the johnson the last time it started to kind of make me you know gag a little bit so i i went out and i bought some did you pronounce it brywax it is brywax, it is it is brywax. okay. Up. i would I was, say
2: briwax but i started Brie saying it it's
0: it's okay so I was working in a hardware store in Nashville. We used to call it Briwax bri- up. Sorry, we used to call it Briwax up here in Nashville. They called it Briwax. I was like, "What? What's wrong with you people? Calling Briwax?" You know, and the and the saying, the slogan used to be, "Briwax is my wax."
2: Oh, Briwax is my wax.
1: <laughs> Briwax is rewax. <laughs> but anyway, they, Briwax sells a product that I that I found at a Woodcraft called. Um, natural creamed beeswax and I tried it Hmm. and it's really nice I'm not sure I've only used it once and I'm not sure I liked how it buffed out totally Mm -hmm. Um, but I'm certainly going to try it again and one thing that I like about it what I had to do with the Johnson's paste wax and Mike like probably 13, 14 years ago you gave me this tip because I was complaining about how long it took me to get the wax yeah. off after I put it on. And right. you're like, yeah, you got to thin it. And so you have to thin it. And so there comes the mineral spirit, more of that mineral spirit right. smell. Right. But with this other product, the Brywax, um, beeswax finish, uh, wax rather, it, it went on smooth and buffed out. It was easy to remove, but I'm not sure I like the sheen. That's you know?
0: really interesting. I, I, I want to try that. Um, you use turpentine to thin your wax,
2: I used that citrus thinner last time. I typically use that because it smells better. Okay. I think it doesn't like evaporate as quickly. Mm. That might be the downside okay. of it. But it, it tends to work fine. Um, yeah. Well, no,
0: but when you're applying wax to a finish, just the other yeah. day, weren't you using turpentine? I don't to, think so. Then? Oh okay. Maybe it was. I don't remember. I rem- we, Go back to the geotape. Tur- turpentine to me is Paint thinner, I actually find pleasing.
2: Yeah, <laughs> the smell. Oh, the pure gum spirits of turpentine. That's like
0: Ooh. that stuff is nasty. I smell.
2: like it because that's the smell of art school. I grew up with that smell in the <laughs> that's hallways. Right. The hallway
1: smelled like that, which You're is right. why I thought oh. the wax
2: would smell good, but it didn't. Something oh, it was like bad. Man. Something went wrong there. <laughs> um, and then, like the you can color the wax as well. You can use um, like those tinting colors um, from you know uh, finishing supply places and stuff i use um asphaltum or which is just just asphalt goop i buy it from art supply stores it's used as an acid resistant etching um you can get it from home centers it's basically roofing tar without the fiber in it so i think non-fibred it's called non-fibered roofing, non-fibred tar, roofing yeah. tar but you have to buy like a five gallon thing of it you or should something. be able to get quartz uh, so if you can, same stuff. Um, it's really thick and goopy. Pre-thin it with mineral spirits first until it's more liquid. And then you can add that to your wax while it's still you know, melted, which I just buy an old crock pot from a thrift store for doing all my wax with. And that works really well. That's a nice way to color it as well.
0: Speaking of buying an old crock pot, I finally hit the point where my wife was like, maybe we need to get you your own. Yeah. Pot for, <laughs> for I was, cooking wood? yeah, I was I was boiling cherry to to make Mike's spoon and uh, I think it took a little too long to scrub out after the last one. And she was actually it was, you know, I have pots for dying things. Right. And you should use those from now on. I was like, oh, OK, I finally hit that line
2: with her. Yeah. And then you hit the the point where you've got your own iron in the shop.
0: <laughs> I do have my own iron in the yeah. shop. Yep. I, you do not touch her iron. <clears throat> oh
2: yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. I mean, the only thing worse would be touching her scissors. Oh, yeah. I was going to
2: say no.
1: Scissors, disappear in my house. Like, and I, I keep them actually hidden in my shop. You know, and when uh, Christmas was rolling around, we were all wrapping gifts, and we, I guess we there was some missing. And so my, my wife is like, Hey, why don't you bring up the scissors from your shop? We can use those. And I'm like, I don't, I, I not have any scissors down there. Nope. 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 No. What do you and need to sure, cut? I'll go in my shop and
0: cut
2: it
1: for exactly. you. Exactly. I was just like, these aren't leaving. And I caved and I brought it up and, and lo and behold, I can't find the darn things. You should. Oh yeah.
0: But you could always, I brought them down here to sharpen, but then you'd have to know. No, how the, It's mine. You oh. know,
1: everyone. It's funny. Oh. People lose scissors in my house; they they just disappear. It's like, you know, some people lose socks. We lose scissors, and I didn't want to lose my my shop scissors because you know they're really valuable.
0: My my wife for Christmas actually got me like this huge set of uh, Milwaukee shears, shears or scissors or, or whatever, and it was like, "This is for your shop," and they're really nice. They're and they're Milwaukee, so I feel like, uh, uh, uh. yeah, <laughs> but. <laughs> yeah. Scissors. All right. I think it's time for we have not done anything but smooth move in a while because we keep changing the cast so much and everybody's like, oh, I've got a great smooth yeah, move. It's been a while. A smooth and move. Mike yeah. and I are kind of... I don't want to say we're smooth moved out. Oh, but, I'm
2: not. Okay, I'm, I'm fresh up. <laughs> so I'm good.
0: But, yeah. right. uh, but it is time for all-time favorite tool of all time for this week. Who wants to go first? Not it. Uh, (laughs) I'll go. (laughs) My all-time favorite tool of all time for this week. I really had a hard time with this because I have just been in Nirvana. Um, I've just been having so much fun in my shop because it's done-ish. And everything I go to do is just like, oh, this is – oh, I'm just dancing around my (laughs) shop basically. But the one thing that has brought me not the most joy – but the most confidence uh, has been the new Sharp guard, guard for my uh, Unisaw. And it was expensive. It was like $200. But honestly, when I did the math on it, that $200 riving knife and guard, outside of a new saw stop, there's no reason for me to get a new table saw. That saw is good to go. There's no upgrades unless I go all the way. Um, so that with that two hundred dollar upgrade, that made my table saw worth anything up to three thousand dollars. Because once it's three thousand dollars, I'm buying a saw stop. Yeah. What do you but like
2: about it? So it's 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 a guard. So it's, it's, it's guard a
0: riving knife and built it's a in dust collection. It's got built-in dust collection. I don't have a dust collector. Mm-hmm. Um, I think. You know, you can order it, it with a two and a half inch port. No,
1: oh, you don't have a dust collector.
0: Mm-mm. You order it with a two and a half inch port or a four inch port. I, I order it with a four inch port, thinking one day. Does it tilt? It tilts with the blade. Um, it does not change height.
1: Oh, so yeah. So to, oh, you okay.
0: have to manually change the height. Um, so. At one point, I will probably raise the blade accidentally into the riving knife. I know this,
2: which and- is good that you don't
0: have a saw stop. There you go. Yeah, um, but it it for all intents and purposes, besides manually changing the height, it acts just like a riving knife. It's curved li- like the blade. You can get it tight to the back of the blade no matter what the height of the blade is. Um, it's, it was a little bit finicky to set up. There was zero instructions that came with it um but the riving knife alone i think is like 90 95 maybe 100 dollars. i decided to just go with the guard and when the guard came my brother was was at the shop and both of us were just amazed at the engineering it. it was just really well thought out the guard comes on and off the the knife as fast as can be um, everything about it was really, really well thought out. This is not the guard that you that came with your saw and you threw out. This is the guard that you wish came with your saw. Cool. So anybody out there who who wants to upgrade um, but just can't afford it right now, this is a really, really good thing to hold you over.
1: Yeah. Or you know, another cheaper option is to make a splitter. It doesn't come with the guard though. So
0: no guard. Yeah. Definitely
1: at bare um, minimum. No tilting.
0: Bare minimum. Make a splitter. There's no reason yeah. not to have some sort of a splitter for, for most of your cuts. They're easy um, to
1: they're easy to make.
0: Yeah, um, but this is this is a fantastic piece of kit. I love it. Cool. Yeah. Who's next?
1: Me. Go ahead. <laughs> well, um, it's not a really funky thing like Ben has, but I I made uh, this coffee table and I was. I glued up the top and I had made the, the top out of birch cause this thing was going to a dorm room and I wanted something tough and durable for it. Solid birch or Baltic? Or- solid, solid. Okay. Um, and, but I had these board, I had a bunch of birch boards lying around that I milled up and they were not highly figured pieces. And so, you know, I got the tabletop all glued up and yeah, you know, there, of course there are some places that I had to level. And so I was like, I had my smoother, sharpened my low angle sharpened i was ready to rock you know some hand plane work so i'm into one or two passes into the the top and all of a sudden it just the plane just goes and then it just gets stuck i'm like all right lighter cut and i try it again same thing and i'm looking at the board and i'm like there's what am i what am i hitting what am i doing so i try the other way and i had the same kind of hiccup like that same you know grab it's like oh that that's weird so i started working the other side and I had it in a couple of sections on the board and I, and I swear I couldn't see what, what was doing it. Like it didn't look like the grain was changing any direction, but turns out Birch, I think Mike, Mike and I were talking about it earlier this week. Birch has these little hidden pockets of like changing direction. It was really kind of weird. And so I, um, I went to my scraper and my cabinet scraper and those are my all time favorite tools of all time this week because it, it's the the card scraper cleaned up those areas that I kind of tore apart, right. and then the cabinet scraper kind of came in after, and I was able to do kind of the whole the whole tabletop. What know? kind of cabinet scraper do you? I've, I've I have never a, used one. With, with the handles on the side. Yeah, the, yeah, cool. Yeah, and I've been meaning to, every time I use it, I keep thinking, man, I want to upgrade the blade. You know, I want to put a thicker piece in there. It works fine, but I think if I upgraded, you know, took one of my you know thicker Lee Nielsen scrapers and modified it to fit. the the, the cabinet scraper it would work better but
0: um, okay so you could so a cabinet scraper is is it just a handle
1: yeah it it, it looks like you know it looks like a kind of a high riding spoke shave in a way you know it's got a flat small flat sole probably like maybe two inches in you know area Mm -hmm. on the bottom Um, the blade fits into a a throat and there's a, a a nut or bolt rather. That screws into it, and then it flexes the blade, flexes the blade to uh, to, to create, you know, a, a, a sharper cut or a more heavy cut versus right. a light cut. Uh, the
2: blade is sort of tilted forward, so as you tighten that little wing nut from yeah. the back, and it flexes it, it actually flexes it down yeah. below the sole into the cut.
1: Oh, yeah, it was a great that that thing. I, years ago, I had it as one of my all-time favorite tool tools because I bought it for like two dollars, and it was a it was a wreck, and I. It was really like my first hand tool rehab thing, and it I fixed it up, you know, po- flattened the sole, polished it up, and cleaned it up, and works like a charm. So it, the scrapers are just, you know, when you get into a jam, it they they can just help you out so quickly, and they're so easy to sharpen, yeah. put a new burr on, and um, it was cool. But yeah, I was I was shocked, and when I put the when I finally got the top all done and put a finish on it, then I saw the areas, and they were just little. I don't know. It was almost like they looked like like a tube, almost under the grain, where the grain just kind of gnarled up, and mm. it didn't it wasn't apparent to me while I was you know working it dry. But beware, birch. When do you use a cabinet scraper? When do you use a handheld like a card scraper? Um, I for card card scrapers, I use to typically clean up areas. I think you know for I used the I broke out the cabinet scraper because once I did the. You know, trying to clean up the area, the small spots that I, that were really torn up, torn up. I wanted to get a better level on it, okay. so that's when I used the card scraper. And, and you know, it's not like a hand plane for sure, but it it got me to a a point that I could you know stand confidently and get the finish done. I was on deadline, so I was in a rush. The LED shipment was coming in. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> But that's actually—I mean—that would be a question for me. Do you have a cabinet scraper, or do you? It's a hand um, tool. So yeah, he has. I'm one. sure he has one.
2: Uh, I do. I don't. Use, I've I've sort of just kind of gone to card scrapers all the yeah. time. But where I used to use the cabinet scraper was like cleaning off periodically, flattening my bench top, getting rid of all the glue mm. and finishes and that kind of stuff. Or if you have a big panel glue up and there's some heavy glue on there. Um, you don't want to take a hand plane to it and your card scraper is quite aggressive enough. I find the cabinet scraper is really good at sort yeah. of doing that rough leveling. okay? Because um, a blade on there, you typically – instead of having a square edge, the edge is um, honed or ground at 45 degrees and you put like a really heavy burr on yeah. it. I mean like, you turn a really heavy hook on it yeah. and it lasts longer. Um so you can do some work. You got to be careful that you don't hang around in one spot for too long because you can get a hollow there. Yeah,
1: yeah. But um, that's what I was worried about with the with my card scraper that I was creating this slight yeah. hollow trying to clean it up. Yeah, and you you don't burn your thumbs with that thing. That's too. true. Yeah, so. The one thing this this um, situation made me realize though that uh, I think I'm going to convert one of my one of my bevel up planes to a high angle because I, I don't have a high angle mm. sharpened plane I think that would have
2: Yeah, just get an extra
1: blade yeah. And, yeah. yeah, get and that I, and try So, I cool. wasn't prepared I was all sharpened <laughs> the other way but that's cool though yeah. You know. yeah.
0: yeah, I want to do a 45 degree angle on a blade
1: soon Cool
0: I
2: got too many So, that's why I mentioned the spoon So, the spoon Okay, now we get that out of the way Yeah, but that's
0: like a T-tool
2: No, well, it's a tool but, you know Tool's a tool Tool's um, a tool so I, I guess in a sense, my favorite tool of all time probably has to be a hammer. It has to, has to be Ben with a hammer.
0: <laughs> so I was were, expecting this for technique. Uh, so but,
2: okay. we, uh, we were shooting a video um, on doing a, a little uh, wall cabinet. Um, so Ben and, and Jeff were in the shop and I was using my um, – my awesome Banax dovetail saw to cut my dovetails in oak and it was a little bit, I don't know what it was something wasn't really perfect about it and I flipped it over and, and sided down the blade along the teeth and there was like a, there was like a, a wave to it, it was like oh, what is that? <laughs> and I was freaking out, I was like I'm going to have to send this back do I, is the saw worn out, do I just throw it away, what do I do? Because my blade is not flat anymore so Ben said give that to me just like hit it with a hammer. It's like, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> he goes, no, seriously. So he put it on my bench with the teeth into the tabletop, you know, holding by the handle with the teeth down. what do you use? Do you use a dead blow or did you actually use a hammer? I think I used a dead blow. Did a dead blow and he just like smacked his spine and <laughs> the saw. It's like, whoa, what's up? So he kind of looked and it's like, nope, not enough. So he took it and he like gave it a whack. <laughs> And then he handed it back to me and I flipped it over and slid it down the button and it was like Drake. <laughs> <laughs> that was
0: great. Yeah. It's it's really uh That's a hardware store trick. <laughs> Actually no so I have um I have a bad axe that it was, you know, in the in my toolbox in the shop and I pulled it out one day and it was crooked. I'm like and I emailed Mark Harrell, who is, like, so on the ball customer service-wise. And he immediately – because I emailed him. I'm like, somebody messed with my saw. Like, like could this happen by somebody messing with my saw? What's going on? Like, tell me – help me figure out who did it. Because I was going to tear something up. And – because I love that saw. And, um, and he had, like, this he, – he must answer this question. He was like, this is what you do, blah, blah, blah. And it was like, wait, no, you want me to hit my saw with a hammer? And that's the beauty and the blessing and the curse of a folded back saw mm-hmm. is that you can reapply tension to it. Mm-hmm. And if you spend any time at Chris Gockner's, he does you know, he's yeah. got old um distance distance that he refurbishes and it's like it's a common occurrence for him to like slide down, bang, and yeah. then there there it is. Mm. And uh once you get comfortable doing it, it's not As frightening, but
2: it it worked, and I (laughs) would not have done that myself.
0: You looked at me like I'm going to kill you.
2: (laughs) So so that worked. So my my last favorite tool, all time of the week. Really quickly, I apologize for meandering. Um, uh, I've been uh, uh, making Kumiko blocks for sale, um, which is a blessing and a curse um, because they sell, but then I have to make them. Which is not fun. Anyway, so I've been supplying people with like enough little um, Kumiko uh, stock to like make a little square once they get it, which is kind of neat. That's kind of neither here nor there except I got an email from a former student from a Kumiko class and she said, you know, don't have access to my table saw. I want to do some little Kumiko squares for um, Christmas gifts. Can I just buy some stock from you? And it's just like I don't sell stock. I don't want to be doing that. But – I had all this stock I was pre-making for when I was selling the blocks, and I had like these little end cuts off of all the sticks, which um, were enough to make a square, but it was not – I just – it wasn't clean. So I threw them all off to the side, but I had a whole bunch. So I just threw them all in a little envelope and sent it her way, and she said – oh, he says, nothing. It's it's no big deal. you know. Enjoy. Later on, she just said, well, can I have your address so I can just like send you a gift? And it's like I'm like, ah, oh, no, that's really – no, I don't, fine, here's my address, you know, it's like just, you know. Did
1: you give her your real address or your neighbors?
2: I gave her, (laughs) I gave her my address, Uh, and so a while later I got a little, you know, a little envelope, padded envelope in the mail, and it's like, oh, it's from her, that's that's really cool, I opened it up and there's like a smaller envelope with like lots of, you know, Japanese writing on it, like it's, it's like an international envelope from Japan, it's like, Oh, this is cool. Okay. You know, because I thought, oh, wow. Could it be tea? What, you know, what could possibly be in here? It was like fairly light, not, and so I opened it up and there's this little small box, almost like the size of a stick of chewing gum, a little bit bigger. I go, huh, open it up. It's a pair of Japanese nail clippers. Oh, my. Yeah. And. Did they cut on the pulse stroke? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> they were just good. And just, the note was just like, I know you appreciate, you know, sharp Japanese that's tools. Awesome. And it's, but it's like, oh my God, that's like the world's best gift that you can give to anybody because who doesn't need one and who doesn't like like a really good pair right. of nail clippers. So there yeah. you go. Funny. So,
1: small gifts can go a long way. Yeah. It, 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 just for some reason I thought of years ago when I was visiting with Garrett Hack on a photo shoot. He had just started um, – Going to Japan and meeting craftspeople over there. And he had a group of, of Japanese uh, tourists and woodworkers, and were, he was going to host them at his shop for a day. And he uh, he had crafted a bunch of chopsticks for them and had made, you know, tied a little ribbon around them and then made little boxes for them as, as a nice little host gift. And I'm like, that is going to be so special for them. Just little things. That's nice. No, N- 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 Clipper's the same way. No, Clipper. There you go. I want.
0: Garrett hacked to craft me a pair of nail clippers.
1: I'm sure he could. It's going to cost you, though.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about someone's sharpening issues and cement shop floors. Let's be honest. Spending all of your time with non-woodworkers is lame, right? Maybe you should go to Fine Woodworking Live, April 26th through 28th, in Southbridge, Massachusetts It's going to be awesome You're going to be surrounded by woodworkers And famous woodworkers too Chris Schwartz, Chris Gottner Chris Bexford We've got three Chris's, so you know it's good I think you should head on over to FindWoodworkingLive.com Check out the presenter lineup It's pretty overwhelmingly awesome And come spend time with people Who are like you, kind of weird And really into woodworking See you there Question number three is from Josh. I see pictures posted online where people have gotten a completely mirror polished edge on a chisel or plain iron. I'm using a Norton 1000 grit stone followed by a King 3000 grit stone followed by a Norton 8000 grit stone. I can't seem to get that mirror polish. I still end up with some scratches no matter how long I work with the 8000 grit stone. Even when honing a new blade. I know Mike recommends 1,000, 4,000, 8,000, but Lee Nielsen skips the intermediate grip. So I don't think the 3,000 stone is my problem. I've thought about trying to get a finer stone than eight than the 8,000 that I have, but I don't want to have a $100 experiment.
2: Hmm. Mm. Um, I don't know. I mean, I would probably say the vast majority of the time if I got like a powerful magnifying glass up to my blades, even after I hone them to what I think is a a pretty good effort, there's still going to be some fine scratches here and mm-hmm. there. And I'd say if you have a mirror polish overall, but you have scratches here and there, it's an indicator, I think, of a couple things. Number one, the 8,000 grit, your fine grit stone, is just not capable of removing... There are some heavier scratches that happen somewhere
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, that the 8,000 grit stone is not capable of getting rid of. So, by going to a finer grit stone, I don't think that's going to help you out. Your question that, okay, you've already got a, a 1,000, 3,000, you're moving up from there. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, so I think your point where you don't think you need another intermediate grit, I think that that's probably true. Um, so you've got, a, you've got a Norton 1,000 and then you've got a King 3,000. That – I don't know. I mean that could be the problem because Waterstones, especially Norton and King and other – every brand of Waterstone, the grits are sort of different. measured in different yeah. ways in that a King 3,000 I think is actually a really, really fine stone.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you were going to say the opposite. Because I know like a Shapton 3000 and a Norton 1000 might be a little closer than...
2: Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's because you're mixing and matching. The other thing is you could, inadvertently, if you're using a honing guide, um, you may be bringing some coarser grit, you know, from the 1000 to Mm. the 3000 or from the 3000 to the 8000.
0: On the wheel of the honing guide, you think? Yeah.
2: Yeah. So you really kind of want to spread. And also, you know, it's just... If there's a little drop of water that's still hang, hanging on to the blade as you move from stone mm-hmm. to stone, that that water can contain the swarf um, or the grit from the stone in that too. So I try to be somewhat careful about wiping down my blade, like spraying it off, wiping it down, wiping down the wheel as yeah. I go from grit to grit. Yeah, I do the same thing. Um, that that might be a bigger issue. Here,
1: here's a here's something that I I had a similar problem, and I remember it was. It, it's been a long time, but I. I approached Mike about it and said, Hey, you know, I can't, I'm not getting this fine polish. And, and you looked at the blade and, and you, you kind of thought, well, are you pressing too hard, you mm-hmm. know, on the, on the, the, the grits? Cause I, mm-hmm. and I was, I think I was like, you know, really instead of letting the stone and the honing guide do its work, mm-hmm. I was like, you know, yeah. really monkeying down on it. And so I was really, you know, scratching the, um, the blade and, since I stopped doing that, I think I'm getting a much better final polish. But I have the same brand stones and I'm going up through the grit. So okay. it's pretty consistent. But
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that's the one thing where if people start with like a um, – on diamond plates and then move up to water stones, I find that the diamond plates, because the grit is basically attached to the surface of the mm-hmm. plate, even if it can be fairly fine, it could be sticking up fairly high. Yeah. Um, And I find that with diamond plates – and this has been years ago and so maybe it's my technique is bad. But, you know, you try something once and it creates this memory and the more you repeat it, the more it becomes fact. But my experience when I was using diamond plates is that I would get – even though the overall polish was okay, I would be getting scratches that were really, really deep that I couldn't reconcile with finer waterstones, which is why I don't recommend starting – on a diamond plate and then right. moving on. So yeah, I,
1: yeah, I changed cause that one of the places I really noticed the scratches hard to remove is when I was flattening back and yeah. I, and I used to start off with a coarse diamond plate and Mike pointed that out and said, don't do
0: that. I, I think that there is, from my experience, there is a break in period with diamond stones. Yeah. Where yeah. they're, they're, but they work they're really def- fast at first. Yo, <laughs> man, do that ever. Yeah. yeah. And, and then it takes you a while to get rid of the scratches. And, um, so I, I have, I have similar scratches in, um, some of my chisels. And, uh, I think it's from the break in period from my coarse diamond plate. Okay. And I don't care. They work.
2: If they, if it works, it works. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah.
0: it's yeah. it's just one of those like stop looking at your blade. And I agree. That's that. That's, I was just uh, going to
1: say that you know if your if your blade is 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 cutting well then you're good. Yeah. You know, if it's
0: not cutting well then you need to yeah address it. Yeah. yeah. Um,
2: I don't know you know what technique you're using, Josh, whether you're using a honing guide or or not. But I think one thing that may help you out. Let's assume you're using a honing guide. If you get a fresh grind on there and then throw it in the honing guide so that you're only removing a really thin, thin, thin line of steel along the cutting edge as you're sharpening, um, you're just removing a lot less steel that way and you can spend less time on each stone and you may give yourself a better chance. So let's say you're 1,000 grit. Um, Norton is causing the scratches, and then maybe your king might be a little bit too fine to get, you know, do a good job getting rid of them. But if it's only a thin line of steel that you're honing, and you're having to remove less steel, it's mm. giving that mm-hmm. finer grit stones an easier job of reconciling that scratch pattern with a finer scratch pattern. Um, that that may give it to you, you know, and yeah. and do a good job, you know, really spraying off the the blade and the wheel and wiping them off as you go that might help too
0: that's a that's a good fix right on all right question number four is from peter the cement floor of my shop is unsealed and kind of wreaks havoc on my feet after a day in the shop keeping in mind that it's a rental do you have any recommendations for an affordable flooring option that may help my feet and also protect my equipment from the sludge that melts off my wife's car it needs to be solid enough that I can have my lathe on it and it won't increase vibrations.
1: I don't know. I, if your is, wife
0: parked outside, it doubles your shop space it does. and it gets rid of that one. This
1: is funny. I had, um, I had experimented with a garage in uh, a shop in my garage for like five minutes. It was uh, just undoable in my situation. You know, bringing a car in with the winters up here and everything. So uh, I moved into the basement, but. I knew there were products out there that that you know, I figured well, maybe there's some sort of a barrier that he could put down between her um, stall and his work area. And so I couldn't come up with the, the search term. And, of course, I went over to our esteemed colleague, uh, Patrick McComb, who's the tools editor for Fine Home Building, and he knew right away. He said, oh, yeah, um, search slush guard. And so they make a product for your car that's basically – um, it, th- if you think of it as like a car mat for your garage, the car drives in and it's a big rubber mat with a lip around the edge. And so when the snow melts or the rain comes off, it just goes into the mat and stays there. And yeah, look it up. Google it, buddy. But that's one thing. I, I in, in that rental situation, I don't know if there's a solution for that because if you try to do something temporary, it's going to flex and vibrate because garage floors are just not known for being – perfectly flat and so
0: so get the slush guard and
1: then work on the concrete and
0: well or put mats down yeah
1: um yeah i don't like mats too much especially around my when i'm hand planing or doing that kind of work i just feel could be that i haven't found the right one but i haven't found one yet that's not too squishy like i feel like i'm you know walking on a i don't know
0: we were at David DeYard's doing a video, and his whole shop is covered in just like the Home Depot, what do you think, half-inch, five-eighths-inch foam, whatever. And it's it's wall-to-wall. Wall. Like, the whole thing is covered. And it was a joy. And I went, when I took the class there, too, I remember just thinking, this is such a joy to work on.
2: Are they on. squares or tiles? They're, or yeah, they're, the, they're, they're little the dovetail. Interlocking, The, the, yeah.
0: the dovetail things, yeah. 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 And I've never been in a place that, like, went whole hog like that yeah it's always been oh right around the table saw right around you know just in spots and the fact that you're not transitioning from concrete to a a mat because i used to have some mats down like in front of the table saw in front of the workbench this way to have right now actually um this is it's a dream to spend time on and if you drop something it's not that big of a deal I'm still having a hard time because I have a concrete floor and same thing. If I'm on it for a while, it just kills me. Um, I think I'm going to just
1: invest in that. Yeah, I I put that down in one portion of my basement on the other side where, you know, we have all our workout equipment where the kids used to play. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was great for that, but I... You know, I tried doing a section of that near my workbench, but it's still, I don't know. I felt like when I was, especially for hand work, I, like hand planning, I never felt like well, I was getting it. Well, because it moves. A, yeah, so maybe the a And the, the fact the that he did wall-to-wall, is, yeah.
0: it doesn't move. And he cut out where his lathe is. Okay. So so the lathe is sitting on the concrete floor. The the feet of the lathe are sitting on True. the concrete floor, not on the pads. Um, And it's a pretty dense rubber. It's not a soft...
2: I love spring, so, too. Yeah,
0: it's not like
1: a gel pad. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: Not like the ones that you might buy for, you know, in a kitchen supplier or right. whatever. The yeah. the other thing, um, and I think it was... No, this is Kevin0611, which is Kevin in Brunswick, Maine. It's Kevin in New York, who recently posted... Uh, Kevin Almeida, I think, who posted on Instagram, he has... Um, it's the, I don't know if it's wall to wall, but he bought uh, stall mats. Yeah. from Tractor Supply.
2: Right, stall mats. What are they?
0: They they're like for like horse horse stalls, horse stalls.
2: Really? They're he- I don't they.
0: They're four by six,
2: and they're maybe like three quarters of an inch. Yeah, thick. and they're heavy. Yeah,
0: and I've been on every time I go get chicken feed. I've been eyeing yeah, because there's those. a whole stack <laughs> under, right underneath yeah. the trailer. Yes, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Like I, I think I do want to go wall to
1: wall. So
2: yeah. It's pretty, pretty easy to do a little floating plywood floor. Get some rigid insulation yeah. down.
1: Yep. Yeah, but I, I still I think if you 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 know for that you probably really should be anchoring the frame to the floor. Otherwise, it's going to you know dip they, and whatnot. They
0: might potato chip too.
1: Yeah, um, I, that's the only. I mean, he might be able to ask his landlord, "Hey, do you mind if I sink some yeah, some screws in?" But does he I want to know. invest that? It's a lot of money yeah. and
0: time into it. Whereas, at least with the with the tiles, with the interlocking tiles, yeah. you just pull them up and right. take them with you.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A, right. Yeah. So, and you keep the lathe on the concrete, like you mentioned. You'd probably be in good shape. Right on. I'm going back out to the garage. No.
0: Actually, no, the thing, I think Peter's in Brunswick, too. You and Kevin0611 should start a guild.
1: Yeah.
2: Whatever. Also, right. anything you throw down is going to keep your feet a lot warmer, too. Yeah.
0: I mean, Well, he's in Maine, so it's like his feet are frozen anyways. They don't care. Yeah. They're tough. All right. Uh, Let's uh, read some listener comments. And uh, there have been a lot of great comments. And I need to say on uh, episode 181 and 180, there's a lot of structural engineering talk going on in the comments, both on the website and in YouTube. And I don't understand any of it, but everyone sounds really smart. So thumbs up. Um, I, but it does make me want to, uh, assemble a post of all of the comments and then send it to an engineer and see who, who's right. But, um, let's see from Kevin 0611, uh, let's see regarding Dean's question in STL 181. I know quite a few people who are happy with jointer planer planar combos, but if possible, try and steer clear of a contractor table saw. As a recent convert to a cabinet saw, I still can't believe how much quieter, more stable, precise, and just more pleasurable it is to use. I think it's well worth sacrificing some floor space to make room for one in your shop. And this comment made me think, because uh, Dean was, was moving into a second shop and it's a little small, it also made me think that, if you just get a cabinet saw and you're, you don't have much space, don't put both wings on it. Don't put a 32-inch Oh, like fence a side feed it. table. Just cut it down. Yeah. And then, because he was cutting tenons, concerned it, about switching to a contractor saw for accuracy. and uh,
1: Even a contractor saw is going to have a long fence and side yeah. feed yeah, table. Yeah, I mean, saw. my contractor saw takes up the same footprint, per se, because, because of the, yeah, it's got a big, you know. Big but sense. if it was a fold-up saw and he can stow yeah, it away. I don't have a job yeah, site, so that's I've, a different you know, I've got the contractor job me. Uh
0: also in reference to STL 181 from Stefan, Ben, it's a plastic pair of calipers. Whoever bought it should have a re- open the package, removed the calipers, deposited the calipers, and packaged straight into the appropriate trash and recycling bins, gone and bought a decent pair of calipers. And then another comment from Jack La Mama, or whatever. I love my plastic calipers. Plenty accurate, and it's one tool I've never needed to upgrade. I keep several of them laying around the shop, so they're probably both right.
2: What the, are we talking about? Dial caliper?
0: Uh, not dial, but just, just like that. Just plastic measuring caliper. Yeah.
2: Huh. Oh, we, no, like that.
0: Okay. Look at, look at you, Jeff. Wow. Dang. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I guess I, this th- was my uh, smooth move last week. It's probably like. Well, what are you trying to measure? Well, the, ed, the the end of it was broken off. Not to rehash you're it for everyone. But checking YouTube. your two
2: by fours to make sure they're you know kind of an inch and a half, roughly.
0: <laughs> 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 an inch and a half, give or take, so. says the caliper. Um, all right, on iTunes, a couple of five star comments from Robert the Bald One. I just read that. That's funny. Uh, I have been listening to Shop Talk Live for a couple of years now and always look forward to new episodes. These guys are easy to listen to and frequently have good info for the fine woodworker. Ugly woodworkers, too. Get it? (laughs) All right. Uh, From Taxi Driver... This panel discussion me. <laughs> I was not looking at anyone. <laughs> this panel discussion podcast has been around for a long time, and new episodes are reliably issued every two weeks. Very few podcasts can claim that kind of longevity. The panel consists of professional ish woodworkers. <laughs> I added the ish. You got the quotes. Uh, even when they discuss stuff I can't use, I find it fascinating and always learn something new. Thanks. Cool. All right, I have a recommendation. get a specific container that you put nuts and bolts in and and arbor nuts and when you take things apart in your shop. Yes. How come? Because someone (laughs) Someone. was disassembling, was changing the stone on his grinder and lost the left-handed arbor nut on the grinder and it is gone, 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 gone. gone.
2: But you had a presence of mind to capture the episode on Instagram story. Yeah, it it was was... where is it? I can't find it. Where is it? It was awesome. It's Like a scene out of Blair Witch or something. It was great.
0: <laughs> it was tr- Oh, I'm still worked up over it. And I still have not looked it up to order a new Arbor Nut. I need a 5 eight inch 12 TPI or whatever Arbor Nut. Awesome. That's not wow. $20 because it's the same size as table saw Arbor Nuts, and they're all $20. I'm not paying $20 for this.
1: Make one. Make one out of wood.
0: I don't know I, if, if my frustration is apparent to all.
1: Uh, just a little bit.
0: Anybody else have recommendations? I do.
1: I've, I'm, I'm going to go back to our, one of my earlier comments. Keep a pair of scissors in your shop. Don't let and anyone don't else. Don't them. let anyone else have them. <laughs> Especially if you have children. You'll keep never, him, keep never them. Keep them tied to a string. But <laughs> <laughs> put an alarm on it. <laughs>
0: shop scissors are key. Mike.
1: No, not today. All not right. today.
0: That's all for this episode of Shop Talk Live. If you have questions you'd like us to answer on the show, send them into shoptalk at taunton.com. If you're watching on YouTube, click that thumbs up button. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Thanks for listening. Y'all. Shut up. Which one am I? I am two. I'm two.
1: Oh, that's me. You're turning up there. No, you're not. Why is my volume going up? It shouldn't be. Am I having a stroke?